Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, Annie Highwater, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up for Air. I'm here with my co-host, Dominique Simone Levine, the creator of the Allies in Recovery website. Hi, hi, Dominique. How are you this morning? I'm well, thanks, Laurie. Good morning, everyone. And Kayla Solomon. How are you, Kayla? I am good. Thank you. Kayla, what do you do? You run I run. I run the Wednesday night support group um, for Allies in Recovery. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And that's available online. You can get the link on, on the alliesandrecovery.net member site, become a member. And we're, we're going to uh, the first module of the e-learning for a quick segment. It's an introductory piece that describes a little bit how community reinforcement and family training or craft works. Okay, this is great. And I want to let our listeners know that if you're on the Allies in Recovery website and you're logged in, you want to go to the e-learning center, module one, and you want to listen to the introduction in module one. We've gone to great lengths to make this website clear and straightforward. The hope is that you see quickly how the pieces fit together, how improving your communication sets the stage for calming things down, how behaving differently sends signals that things have shifted. You're no longer going to prop anything up. There is a rhythm to the work. Step in when there isn't use, step away when you see use. There are dozens of small things you can do that improve your connection with your loved one and set the stage for talking about getting help. And there are windows of opportunity when you should talk about treatment and other times when it is pointless to do so. This isn't tough love or simply detaching from your loved one. You can't control substance use, but you can control how you react to it. You can control some of the conditions that exist when you're involved and line things up towards stopping the use. With Allies in Recovery, you're not alone. Together, we can move your loved one towards recovery. That's like the 30,000 foot view of how the pieces of, of craft come together, right? So you can, it, you can see the rhythm of it, as I was saying in that snippet. You step in when the person is not using and your definition of not using has been defined by you in the work, in, in the notebooks that you keep in Allies in Recovery. And you step up and, and, and you step away when there is use. So it's a, it's a gentle, rhythmic, flexible approach with lots of tips and strategies, right? And I think what I, I would have said that I didn't and don't in that piece is that we're talking about the present moment. We're talking about doing this within a day, within an hour even. Within an hour, your load wood can go from not using to using, right? So you want to change 
your response, which is what you can control, your behavior, your communication, your response in a way that uh, doesn't create or escalate problems, right? That maintains a certain calmness, even gets you to a new calmness. And, um, and then you're in the flow. You're going to feel it as a, a family doing craft. You're going to feel this new subtlety with which you interact with your loved one, this new sense of skill and observation within which you're able to say, you know, this is my loved one in moments of use. This is my loved one, you know, in a moment where he's talking about wanting a change in his life. Wow, that's a window of opportunity. So you're going to learn to listen to that for that. And, and, and that's your cue. So there's all kinds of things that, and I love this piece because it kind of puts it together for you in, 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 in about a minute and 15 seconds. Well, and, and, you know, it's interesting that you're saying that, Dominique, because a few people in the group have asked, how do I, sometimes I don't know if my loved one is using in this context. And what I, what, what we talk about is how you may or may not know that somebody, sometimes it's extremely obvious how altered people are, but then there's, there's a maintenance level that people use that also, where they're just trying not to go through withdrawal and it's not as obvious. I actually think it's much more important to look at behavior and whether somebody is actually completely checked out or behaving belligerently. That's what you're looking for is how, like, who is the person that you're talking to? Like, why would you engage with somebody who's being obnoxious and belligerent and difficult or they're completely zoned out? You don't interact because there's no satisfaction that's going to come with that. And that's what this means. You're looking for moments that they're available, which means that they're calmer, which means that they're, they're able to connect with you. They're able to communicate. Even if they're slightly checked out, you know when people are, are more present with you. And I think what's, what's really important is that as we talk about incessantly with this, that the more you do this, the more you're tuned into those moments. Right away, you're not going to be able to do this well because you're still in your reactive mode. And we're looking at really backing up and and having your skill set be able to be practiced. It's, when you were talking about the the um, the back and forth, it reminds me of a dance. And you don't expect to be good at the dance when you first learn it. So you're just practicing the steps. You're stepping on toes. You're awkward, you're klutzy at the beginning, and that's to be assumed here. And at, the more you do it, the more skilled you get at, and the more you notice subtleties. And that's the goal here is to actually tune into the subtleties. Just to kind of add on top of that, I agree with you. Looking at behavior is a huge piece. And I often will tell people in the rest meetings, um, which I run, which are also on the Allies website, working with families that have a loved one uh, with SUD or substance use disorder. But I often tell people that there are some times when a loved one is actually high and it can be very engaging and they're very engaging. And in those moments, it can be extremely difficult to pull away, to step away and to disengage in that moment because it's a positive interaction and you don't want that because you are rewarding being high if you are engaging in this. And, and I only go by experience with myself in listening to other people. You know, this is when my loved one was incredibly affectionate. 
And I felt like this was the only time I might have this affection from him. So I might want to stay in that um, situation. And I hear it from other families a lot too. You know, the individual is actually calm and nice and fun to be around. So making sure that they're not high. And if they are extremely high or high, you move away from that, right? You move, you disengage, you'll come back, you'll come back and you'll get to interact with them again later on when they're not high. But I would add that piece to it. But I also agree, I hear from a lot of families how difficult it is to determine whether the person is high or not. Right. And, and, and if I can jump in here, uh, because we just went through a training where this came up several times, the idea that with opiates, you're always high by definition, right? You're dependent on a drug, you're dependent on a benzo, you're dependent, you're dependent, right? But what Kayla was saying before is sometimes people are very high and some people, sometimes people are just maintaining in order not to go into withdrawals. And for families where this is the case, where your loved one seems to always be high, by definition, the drug is so dependency, right? So biologically dependency producing that they can't not have something of it in their system. You're going to divide your world into two, right? Your loved one isn't using, your loved one is using. And that's today in this moment right now. Can you interact with this person? Is this person present enough, clean, sober, abstinent, harm reduced, whatever you want to call it enough, that it's a moment that you want to engage and reward that. If the person is high, it's a moment for you to step away, leave the room, right? Three things, three things. You want to allow natural consequences. You want to remove rewards. You, you want to remove yourself as a reward. Those three things. And besides, there's no point in interacting with somebody who's high, as Kayla said. So just get out of there. Get off the phone. Just get away if you can. And you do it neutrally, gently. Hey, you know, I don't feel so well or doesn't feel so good right now. I think I'm just going to go in my room and talk in the morning. It's not like ditch you out the door, never come home. It's like, I'll talk, we'll talk again in the morning. And that's what makes this so gentle is we're talking about just moments in the day, opportunities you see in the day, which anybody who has a loved one with addiction knows there's a lot of opportunities for being triggered through the day about your loved one's addiction. And those may be the moments you need to practice craft the most, right? And so that communication training that Lori does so beautifully in her rest meetings, how important it is to start to, with the behavior, but also with the communication. And understanding it's not black and white. It's not, they're high or they're not high. And if you can't determine it, what do you do? It's not a hard line. It's a guesstimation. It's a, right? But it's a decision. But it's a decision. It's absolutely. You guys, if, if there's two of you working right. craft around someone, you both have to come together and decide it's an eight he's using. Right. It's a two. We're going to act right. like he's not using. And you kind of come out really clean on one end or the other, right. one, one, one camp or the other, because otherwise you're going to be all mixed up in your communication and in your behavior and in right. your resentments and your, you right. know, there's, you're not going to come at it cleanly and calmly. And so Which that's is, why the whole approach that you guys take in your support groups are designed really to help the family handle this tough stuff in order to come at this 
calmly and cleanly as you well, can. And the most beautiful thing is that we were talking about this in the group, that the difference between craft and other models is that the goal is connection as opposed to detachment. And I think this is a beautiful way to describe it because you're not detaching when they're high. You're just connecting in a different way, which is I'm giving you space and I'm, I'm going to be looking for these opportunities to connect with you. And so there's this searching that we do, which is what's happening at this moment, what's happening at this moment. And then what happens is that you, you start to like notice these subtle, subtle moments. And I think I, I use the, the term positivity direct detective, that you're going to become a detective for these moments because it's the flip side of what most people are doing in these situations, which is that you're looking for somebody to be when they're high. So you're looking for when they're high, you're looking for when they're high, which is where the anxiety comes from. As if this, this orientation is you are searching for these moments when they're doing well, when they're sober, when they're con connected and when they're available. That's the different attention that we're, we're looking at is how do you notice those things? And that's a practice. It does not right. come naturally if you're hijacked. And just to kind of piggyback on that, Kayla, I, I totally agree with you. This is where the behavior piece comes into play, because also depending on the behavior, whether it's difficult behavior or behavior around substance use disorder and, and issues that you're, you know, communication issues that you're having, interaction issues that you're having, you do not want to be rewarding negative behavior. Absolutely. Right. You don't want to be rewarding that kind of behavior, which is why craft is so wonderful because you can apply these skills to other things. It doesn't just have to be when they're high in the moment, I'm going to disengage. It's when they're yelling at me and turning me into a whipping post. I don't want this behavior to repeat. I want it to stop. I'm going to disengage. I'm going to disengage. I'll come back later. Well, and what you said, Lori, is really interesting because it's not just about the person that you're dealing with who has substance use disorder. This is a great way to live your life. Right. If somebody's being abusive or difficult, you don't go in towards them. You step back. I use the, the terminology of how do you learn not to accept the unacceptable? Because I think that what happens when we're in these situations, we start to have a very high tolerance for unacceptable behavior, because as we've yes. talked about before, it's this survival thing. But the, the more you actually are able to disengage from the unacceptable, the more you have the space for the acceptable, because then you'll notice it, then you reach for it. And also, hopefully it shifts the dynamic so that people realize that you're not a punching bag and they come towards you in a different way, which, by the way, don't put that as an expectation. I'm just saying that as a possible hope. But that's part of the shift is if you're not in the victim mode of how could you do this to me? How could you treat this me this way? But you say, listen, I need space and you step back. The person knows that they can't just keep doing that same behavior over and over because they're not going to get the result that they want. And also, it might not be victim mode. It may be, I don't believe my loved one can do it. So because I believe that I stay in this, but giving them the chance and the opportunity to show you and they can do it. I, I often I talk to families and say, ask yourself, is this an unreasonable request? Is it unreasonable for me to step away when they're calling me names? No, this might be an acceptable 
or something you might expect a two or a three-year-old to do. Okay, mommy's going to go in the other room and we can talk when Joey has calmed down. The same type of, it's the same type of thing. And if I can have an expectation for a two-year-old to do it, I can certainly have an expectation for a young adult, an adult to do it as well. And this could be husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and brothers and sisters. It's not just mom and dad. Yeah, it's about changing the and expectation. Once you've changed that expectation, you you go towards that new goal, that new expectation, which is right. more reasonable, which is more centered, the positive, the negative. You're a little more, uh, you're, you're less caught by surprise when stuff happens. You're, you're a little better at your keen sight. And it feels better inside immediately. I mean, mm-hmm. this is... This is the way we get people to really do the harder work of craft is that you feel better almost immediately. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of allowing and accepting what is in your loved one and just learning to observe and and where you're effective in the immediate environment around that loved one. We're just teaching you to be good residential directors of treatment centers, basically. Um, You're going to learn all the skills necessary to do what the treatment system in this country doesn't do, which is pay for proper residential care, very complicated people, because you're now it. And you're probably one of the few people in their lives that are sticking by them and care enough. And so you're doing the work you're doing the work of, of love and you're doing the work of government in my mind. So at least thank you for being on this site and on this podcast and trying to understand what it is you're dealing with because it is intense and it's lifelong and it's it will tear you apart. It will tear your relationships apart. And so it's really, really important. What we're saying is not something you do and learn in six weeks and and say goodbye. This is an approach you're going to want to use, as I think Kayla said, just on anybody, everybody. It's right. changed my life. It's it's kept me in relationships. It's kept me from being devastated in relationships because I think I understand a little better. I'm a little more aware, you know, so in so many ways, good, because I've been doing it for 17 years. You would hope that it's affected my life, <laughs> but I'm pretty stubborn and controlling and it, it was, you know, it's been difficult, but um, so appreciative of the work that Bob Myers and his colleagues did early on and to and develop the, the craft and, model. Absolutely. To develop the craft model. And Kayla was, we were in New Mexico in 2003 learning yeah. from Bob Myers, yeah. visiting Bob Myers and his team and, and, um, and had Bob out a, a number of times. So Just one thing I would add is that a huge aspect of being able to handle this is to be able to not take things personally. If what's coming at you is not, if you don't perceive it as an assault on yourself or this criticism of who you are or all the things that people are saying, it is much easier to get space to be able to be able to make these moves. If everything feels personal, then you're absorbing the negativity and it just sets the cycle out. So basically the line that I like to think about is it's not about me. This is this person's feeling right now. This is what's going on with them. I love them. I care about them, but this is not about me right now. Even if they're using my name or it seems directed at me, I need to work on getting that space to be able to, that's the control issue. If that that's a hook 
And if I take it personally, I cannot do any of the things that we're talking about. Yeah, I agree with you, not taking it personally. And this is where you may have heard of like separating the person from the illness. And so there was one thing, and I've heard a lot of people do this, where when this is happening and you're getting into that argument or things are getting heated, just constantly saying over and over again, the illness is not going to get me. I'm not going to fall for the illness. This is the illness. This isn't my loved one. And I'm doing the best that I can. But also, I do think there's that that victim mentality. But there's also this non-belief that our loved ones can do what we want them to do on the other end of it. That brings on a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. So also kind of talking to yourself a little bit and having an inner voice in saying, let's just see what happens on the other side. What happens if I do this a couple of times and let's just see if there's a payout. Do an experiment. Yeah, do an experiment. And I find that when, and this isn't just me, this is a lot of other families that um, I work with in rest. I find that when families do sit through it, the payout on the other end just leaves people wanting more. Okay, well, can we uh, just have a quick summary? What did we discuss? Yeah, so so this this is module one, by the way. It's a snippet from module one, which is really the foundation of how to approach the craft model. And the idea is that you're working on your own reactions. You're working on looking for positive moments to step in. You're stepping in when the person is not high or not using, and you're gently and effectively removing yourself when they are so that you're not engaging with the addiction or with the, with the substance. You're engaging with the person. And so this is about really understanding that this is a longer term process. It is not going to happen in a day and that you allow yourself the patience to try new things, have a different orientation to the relationship and also learn new skills and give the relationship space so that you can be the most effective you could possibly be in this situation. And that by you changing your part of the situation, you have an impact on the whole dynamic and possibly the other person's choices. Thank you, Kayla. And thank you, Dominique. And I will see each other next week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.